a warm and friendly hello, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas, for Coast to Coast Hoops, with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson family of podcasts, and I mistakenly said Las Vegas, I'm actually out here at Disneyland, so... I am out here in the great state of California, and we've got a great podcast for you. I won't be having a guest today, likely not tomorrow, perhaps Thursday, but just being out here in the great state of California on the road, I'm actually going to do a little bit of a research project. I'm taking a look at some of the top teams with regards to offensive efficiency, three-point shooting percentage, turnover rate, and we're going to be taking a look to see if there's a correlation between against the spread record or not. So we're going to take like six, seven minutes dive into some of the top and bottom teams there, and we're going to try to find some trends with that. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys side total on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Wednesday as we hit some bang shots. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GRNSCORD1. Keep in mind, letters M. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up having a great day of college basketball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Saw a lot of spreads of north of 20 points on Tuesday, and a lot of teams wanted covering it. Like Tennessee was able to take down USC upstate by kind of 96 of 52 as they went 11 of 25 from three-point range. Kennedy Chandler, a double-double with 15 points. 10 assists, so he was certainly able to do his part. LSU was bet up from 31.5 up to 35.5, and, and they wind up taking down Northwestern State by a count of 89 to 49. And for LSU, yet another under for this team as you wind up having Northwestern State go 4 of 25 from three point range with 17 turnovers. So LSU certainly did their part on defense, but doing their part on defense as well. It's been one of the best under teams in all of college basketball. South Florida, they win and cover against the Governors of Ossipi by a count of 60 to 51, despite going two of 15 from three point range. Certainly has been interesting to watch them. They have been one of your best cover teams in all of college basketball with regards to the under. In terms of actual covers, been a little bit more suspect. Wake Forest has been good at covering, but they were unable to do so against VMI. They do wind up getting the 77 to 70 win, but. For VMI, they go 13 of 40 from three-point range, and guys not named Cannon Kerfman wound up going 7 of 28. So he certainly carried the way with 24 points. And then Alondis Williams, 36 points, five boards for Wake Forest. So he was really able to put the team on his back in that game in the ACC. You wound up having my New York Post play today look very good in the first half as I had the over in Furman versus UNC, and then Furman winds up scoring nine points in the final nine minutes to finish with a thud. You wind up having a final of 74-61, to 61, and for North Carolina, they themselves, I do not want, think, wound up scoring in the final 241 of this game, so certainly saw a pair of offenses that struggled in the second half as Furman goes 10-33 of 33 from three-point range. Meanwhile, North Carolina, they go 5-16 of 16 from three-point range, 20 points, 10 boards for Dawson Garcia, and really, other than Alex Hunter and his 21 points, the entire Furman team wound up not necessarily having a good day. Florida A&M, they were looking relatively solid as a cover team prior to what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. 77 to 50 of the final. Cincinnati goes just 7 of 26 from three-point range, but you had Florida A&M go 2 of 13 from three, 14 turnovers, and they wound up losing the battle on glass by kind of 48 to 33, so Cincinnati was able to completely manhandle that game. Speaking of getting manhandled, how about Alabama? They go on the road to Memphis 
And they get crushed by kind of 92 to 78 as Memphis took over this game in the second half. For Memphis, they need to cut down on the turnovers and still have a little bit of work to do, but they wind up committing 17. Alabama commits 20. And for Alabama, you did wind up having your big trio do a relatively solid job. Javon Quinterly, 12 points. You wound up having Jaden Shackelford chip in there, 10. Keon Ellis, 19 points. These three guys do wind up combining for 20 of the team's 31 rebounds as well. But for Memphis, the guy that stepped up, DeAndre Williams, 20 points, 6 assists, 3 steals, 3 rebounds as Memphis shoots a little bit over 53% from the floor. They assist on 20 out of their 32 baskets. So they certainly had things dialed in. Auburn, they were looking to try to cover right around 28 to 29 points against North Alabama. And after leading by just 7 at the half, they very nearly did so before they wound up not scoring in the final 436. North Alabama gets in there by kind of 70 to 44. So you wound up seeing a little bit of a harebrained game there. Texas, they get a win but no cover against Arkansas Pine Bluff by kind of 63 to 31. This Texas team with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis looking like one of the best in all of college basketball is Arkansas Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff had 20 turnovers with 12 made buckets, so that certainly wasn't the world's greatest day for them. Minnesota, they didn't have the world's greatest day against Texas A&M Corpus Christi either. 79-71, they get the outright win, and they do shoot 11-21 from three-point range, but 28 turnovers in the process. Big thing for them, they won the rebound battle by a count of 42-23 as Corpus Christi goes just 6 of 18 from 3 point range and overall from the floor. They shoot sub 40%. Georgia State is a team that has been dealing with COVID-19 issues and looks like they're still having a couple issues. 79 to 50. Mississippi State just completely trounces them for Mississippi State. They go just 5 of 10 from 3 point range, but what they did a great job of winning the rebound battle. 41 to 27 they were able to do so and for Mississippi State 13 turnovers in this game, so a little bit sloppy with the ball, but for Georgia State, they just weren't able to throw it into the basket, shooting 33% from the floor. DePaul's rise continues to be going relatively well. They don't cover, but they get a outright win against UIC on the road by a count of 72-66. to 66. Jackson State is looking like a cover team. They lose by 10, but they're able to get in there. Louisiana and Arkansas State as 20-plus point underdogs from the Sun Belt. They cover against their respective teams, against Texas Tech. Arkansas State was able to hang in there 75 to 62 the final and Louisiana loses Houston by a count of 71 to 56. Duke was one of the teams that was able to cover on Tuesday 103 to 62 the final for Duke. They go 15 to 27 from three point range. Absolutely ridiculous numbers for this team as you wound up having six different guys be able to contribute at least 10 points in this game, including AJ Griffin with 19 points in 22 minutes off the bench. Joey Baker was able to go off for 13 points. Duke goes 22 of 24 at the free throw line. South Carolina State just thought that they, they could do. They wind up losing their turnover battle by a count of 17 to 16 for Duke. It's not like they were necessarily too great with regards to being able to win the rebound battle, but Paulo Banchero, he was able to have 12 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, so he was certainly able to stuff the stat sheet. In this one, you wound up having Clemson take down Miami of Ohio for a winning cover of their own by a count of 89-76, to and all of a sudden, Clemson has been scoring a bunch of points. You take a look at what they've been able to do in the month of December. 75 points against Miami, 90 points in overtime against Drake, and 89 points on this night, so they have really been kicking things up a little bit as they went 13 of 24 from 3 points range at 16 of 18 at the free throw line. So 
Certainly an interesting result to be had there. And when it comes to college basketball in general, we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot of lot stand out with regards to a big trend with regards to overs and unders, home underdogs or anything like that, though I will say. To my surprise, home underdogs have been relatively bearish over the last seven days. 32, 33, and 3 against the spread. Meanwhile, in the last seven days, unders have hit at a 54.5% clip. If you're looking at season-to-date statistics with regards to college basketball, the under is hitting at 50.8%, 812 unders to 785 overs. Meanwhile, home underdogs, they're 193, 194, and 10. So that hasn't necessarily been hot nor cold. But one other thing that we've got to hit on, Oregon State lost again. They wind up losing to UC Davis by a count of 71 to 64. They are now 1 and 9 after they made the Elite Eight last season. I thought that that Elite Eight run was built on sand a little bit, but this is an Oregon State team that in this contest they go 11 to 21 at the free throw line. They have nobody but themselves to blame for this loss. They lose their turnover battle by a count of 13 to 12, so they are looking absolutely pathetic. What's looking much stronger is how some of these teams are doing against the spread when they do wind up having a very demonstrative stat, like being able to shoot threes well, top teams with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis as well. I've been able to do relatively well with regards to low amount of turnovers, obviously not high amounts, but we're going to be taking a look at some of these teams next, trying to find some correlations when it comes to against the spread record as well. So going to be doing that on the other side right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot slash iHeart. 
And we're back here from lovely Disneyland, the world's most wonderful place for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. One without a guest today just because I am out here in California. So instead, I decided to do a little bit of a research project. I've always been wondering how the top slash bottom three-point shooting teams vary with regards to against the spread record. And what we found is that, well, three-point shooting really does matter in a lot of cases because you take a look at the top five three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball as of right now. And this is going into the games on Tuesday. Colorado State, South Dakota State, Davidson, Clemson, Loyal Chicago. All of these teams, 500 or better. Clemson entered 5-5 five and five against the spread. Loyal Chicago, 5-5 five and five against the spread. Your number one three-point shooting team, Colorado State, 6-3 and three against the spread. South Dakota State, 6-5 and five against the spread. And then Davidson, a shocking 8-1 and one against the spread. But what I think is bigger than that because you wind up seeing a little bit of a fall off from there. UNC is 2-8 and eight against the spread going into their game against Furman. UMass, 5-6. and six, But... I think the bigger thing is a fade because you take a look at the bottom teams with regards to three-point shooting percentage at all of college basketball. Maine is the worst team. They have yet to cover a spread all season long. 0-6 against the spread. NC Central, 3-6 against the spread. We're going to be seeing them in action on Wednesday. Portland State is 3-3, and and they're the lone team among the bottom eight, in which is 500 or better. 4 a.m. wound up entering into yesterday, 3-4 against the spread. They've actually been halfway respectable. Charleston Southern, 2-5 against the spread. Missouri, 3-5 against the spread. IUPUI, 2-6. And and we know with IUPUI, it's more than just three-point shooting. It's two-point shooting. It's being able to take care of the ball. Houston Baptist, they're 1-5 against the spread as well. So we have seen a little bit of, I guess you could say, a little bit of a correlation there. I do think that turnovers are a big thing as well. This is something that I wound up doing on VEASAN last week with regards to doing my just case study there. You take a look at the top teams when it comes to not turning the ball over in all of college basketball. Minnesota, Duke, Iowa, Northwestern, and Miami of Ohio. And all of these teams have been relatively solid against the spread. And what you're also going to find as well is that a lot of these teams do reside out there in the Big Ten. So I find that to be a little bit funny, but Duke has been one of the lone teams that has been profitable for you when it comes to the ACC at 3-3-2 against the spread. If you were able to get better numbers, you were probably able to get above 500, but you take a look at Minnesota. 6-3 against the spread. Iowa, 6-4 against the spread. Northwestern is not necessarily tearing it up. 5-4 against the spread, but once again, when it comes to a lot of these metrics, the fade is the bigger one. Number one, IUPUI. They have covered just two spreads all season long. Now, Jacksonville is a little bit of an exception to this because they've actually been relatively solid against the spread with regards to against the spread record. This is a team that they are now 6-2, and two, so they've been able to do a great job there. But you take a look past that with regards to teams that turn over the most on a per-possession basis. Eastern Illinois has found themselves just not being able to cover any numbers whatsoever. This is a bunch that I believe that they are now 3-7 and seven against the spread. North Florida, now they've been playing a lot of very good competition thus far, but you take a look at them, and they've covered one out of their last six games overall. I believe that they are 3-8 and eight against the spread, so it's been another brutal year for them. You take a look at a team in Houston Baptist, another team that wound up being one of the worst with regards to three-point shooting percentage. They are sub-33% at being able to cover spreads, and Carter Ward has actually been halfway decent. They're a bunch of which are 4-4 four four against the spread, but they've covered just one out of their last four games, so I do think that it is really important to be noting when it comes to a lot of these offensive trends, the fact that you do wind up having some good trends when it comes to a lot of these teams that are relatively solid at being able to take care of the ball. A lot of these teams that are relatively 
saw when it comes to three-point shooting. But the bigger thing is trying to be able to find these outliers and being able to pick on them because to the bad, it seems to be a little bit more of a correlation to the good. I was trying to do this when it comes to a few other things as well. You take a look at teams with regards to best assists for field goal made percentage. And like at number four, you've got Dixie State. Now, Arizona is number three on this list. They've been one of the best against the spread teams in all of college basketball. But also up there, you're going to be finding a Colgate team that has went just one and five against the spread. So when it comes to a lot of these mainstream stats, they actually are a little bit more of an indicator rather than some of these, I guess you could call it off the beaten path sort of things. And when it comes to teams with regards to good rebounding as well, we've seen a little bit of a hit or miss when it comes to approach with this as well as one of your top teams with regards to rebound rate. That'd be UNC Greensboro. You take a look at UNC Greensboro and they've been 500 against the spread. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Five and five. Kentucky has been relatively solid. They're actually your number one team in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. They've covered just one out of their last four games, but a lot of that is because they've had to try to cover a 25 point or greater spread in all but one of those games as well so that no doubt is going to take a lot out of you Baylor has been relatively solid Texas Tech is a team that I really like as well but when it comes to trying to identify teams that you're looking to backslash fade with regards to stats, it's something that I always say on this podcast. Take every game as its own living, breathing entity, but when it comes to backslash fades, the fade seems to be a little bit stronger than backing teams that might have a really good rebound rate, a really good three-point shooting percentage. We saw with the three-point shooting percentage, that was actually the strongest one that I could find because I was going through with regards to teams that just wind up having a very good rate when it comes to points scored on a purpose basis and you saw a little bit of something there because you're going to notice a lot of those similar teams like Kansas, Purdue, Iowa, Colorado State, Arizona, they're all towards the top end. They've all been able to do a very solid job. But once again, you go back to it. Maine, IUPUI, Houston Baptist, they're all down there. Mississippi Valley State is a little bit of an exception as they've actually been able to cover half of their games. But you take a look at Mississippi Valley State, they have been at least a 20-point underdog in all but one of their games. So I feel like you want to be taking that with a little bit more of a grain of salt as well if you wind up finding a little bit more of a tighter spread. I think that you're going to get a little bit of better correlation you take a look at someone like a Northern Illinois. They have been one of your more anemic teams when it comes to points scored on a per possession basis. They're like four and five against the spread. So I think that it is really interesting to take a look at what stats wind up having a strong slash not very strong correlation with regards to against the spread record. And we do have a limited amount of information. So I feel like this is going to get skewed a little bit more towards the beginning of the season than towards the end of the season. But just wanted to do this little bit of a case study, see if there was a little bit of something. And there certainly is when it comes to three-point shooting percentage, there isn't so much when it comes to off-the-beaten-path stats. So if you're looking to be able to find teams that have been able to cover a lot of spreads, things like free-throw shooting, three-point shooting percentage, it is something that you are able to use a little bit with regards to your handicapping, but you do want to be evolving it as well because if a team does wind up falling off the bat with regards to the three-point shooting, you got to figure that it's going to cause them to be cratering a little bit with regards to or against the spread record. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Just want to give you guys a little bit of something since we've got no guests today and coming up next on this podcast Coast to Coast Hoops now coming at you from the great state of California going to give you guys a side total on every game on the college basketball betting board as we hit some bank shots that's on the other side Live Nation presents Concert Week now through May 14th get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows that's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. back here in lovely Anaheim, California. More specifically, Disneyland for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Peterson. No guests today just because, well, on the road a little bit. Just wanted to give you guys a little bit of what I've noticed with regards to trend-wise. Probably going to do this tomorrow. May or may not do it on Thursday. A little bit up in the air there. So, a couple of days without guests on the podcast. But, you know what? Still some good stuff going on. And, hey, it's the happiest place on earth as well. So, hopefully, I'm able to give you guys a little bit of a slice of happy today. As now it is that time of the podcast. They give you a signed total on every game on the College Basketball Betting Board for this Wednesday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time. Time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is a way that most books wind up lining up their games as well, and this is in relative time order, but games that involve teams from like the MEAC, SWAG, Patriot League, smaller conferences, those games have three digits on them. Meanwhile, the games on the normal Las Vegas betting board have three digits, so we're going to go with those normal games first, and this begins with 651, 652 on the Banging board. Belmont is going to be playing us to Chattanooga. The Bucks are between a six and six and a half point underdog with your total between 138 and 139. We've got a Chattanooga team that has been one of the slower ones in all of college basketball, but a relatively efficient team, and they're going to be going up against a Belmont team that has been relatively solid themselves. So I do think that you're in a little bit of an interesting spot here. I want to say Belmont is a five-point favorite. I was excited about Belmont coming into the year because they were bringing back darn near everyone, but seems like some of these guys have plateaued. Nick Pazuzinski has been able to do a solid job down those. 17 points, 6.5 boards. Overall, Belmont is shooting 75% the free throw line, not turning the 
ball over a lot, right around 12 times per game, and they do generate nine steals per game, but you also take a look at the Chattanooga team, man. They've got some impressive wins on their resume, and then you've got Malachi Smith. Mr. Do a little bit of everything. 18 points, six boards, four assists, able to shoot 46% from three as a collective. You've got Chattanooga Bunch shooting 37% from three, 10 turnovers per game. Now, a little bit of a product of that is them being in the bottom 25 with yards of possessions per game, but Silvio De Sosa winds up coming over from Kansas. Has been rock solid after he didn't play college basketball for a few years. 13.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, so you do like to see that David Jean Baptiste is knocking in his free throws at a 94% clip, shooting 44% from three-point range, 15 points per game. Now, after that, you have a little bit of a fall-off, but Darius Banks is able to give you five boards. Jamal Walker, whenever he's been out there, has been solid. Wound up missing the first couple games of the season, but ever since then, he's been able to get out there, do a relatively solid job. You don't necessarily have a great amount of depth when it comes to Chattanooga in comparison to Belmont. Belmont has guys like Jacoby Wood and company, but Wood only giving you five and a half points per game. He's been a little bit of a rut. You do have Grayson Murphy just contributing in a wide variety of ways. Eight and a half points, six rebounds, five and a half assists, three steals per game, but... I do think that Chattanooga is going to be able to hold in there. I do think that you wind up getting late game felling as well. Both of these teams shoot over 71% at the line. So it's a spot in which I did wind up saying Belmont as a five-point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take the six plus here when it comes to Chattanooga. And set this all at 143.5. So going over 653, 654 on the begging board. The Ohio Bobcats are going to be playing with some Marshall. Marshall's between a five and six point underdog. Seeing a straight four and a half out there as well. Total on this game is anywhere between 152.5 and 153. Set Ohio is a three-point favorite. I think that these teams are relatively equal on a neutral court. I was expecting a little bit more from the outside shooting of Ohio. This is a Bobcats team that they do return a lot of good sharp shooters from last year. Ben Vanderplas at six foot eight is a good combo player. Thirteen and a half point six half boards, able to shoot forty one percent for three overall. Ohio's well, shooting about thirty four and a half percent for three, seventy six percent the free throw line, and they do generate eight seals per game. Each other top five scores give you at least a seal per game. Ben Roderick right around seven points per game. Mark Sears has been able to do a good job filling in for Jason Preston, sixteen points, four and a half boards, four assists. But then you do take a look at the flip side for Marshall, and you've got the best shot blocker as of right now in all of college basketball with five blocks per game. In and Obiana on Chile Killian, who has been able to do a nice job of being able to pump in their 12 points and 7 boards as well. And then Tavion Kinsey out there in the backcourt. 21 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, able to generate a seal per game. Andrew Taylor has been struggling with his outside shooting. Really, Marshall as a collective has as well. 28.5% from 3, but 13.5 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, right around 2.5 seals per game. And then you also get 10 points per game out of Darius George as well. He's able to do a solid job of holding it down down low. And Marshall, they've been able to force a lot of seals. 3-point shooting hasn't been there, but they've done a better job going down low this season, so I do think that they're going to be able to hold in there. You've got a Marshall team that is looking to play very up-tempo. Ohio's actually been much slower this year than in past years as well, so I did set this total at 149. I think that you're going to see a little bit of an under here just because Marshall has struggled with their three-point shooting, but I think that they hold up at the point of attack down low, so set Ohio's a three-point favorite, so taking the points and the under. 655, 656 on the betting board. VCU is going to be playing us to Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic finds themselves anywhere between a 10 and 11 point underdog. Seeing straight 11 and a half out there as well. Don's game is anywhere between 128 and a half and 129 and a half. I just shade up my totals on VCU games because you now have Ace Baldwin back out there. He's returned for two games and he's averaging double figures in those two games. So he has been able to give this VCU bunch a little bit of explosiveness when it comes to offense. But then you do take a look at Florida Atlantic. I do like what you're able to get out of Michael Forrest, a guy that's able to pump in there 16 points per game. 
shooting 40% from three for an Atlantic. Overall, shoot 36.5% from three. 66% the free throw line is a little bit of an issue. You take a look at it, and really outside of Forrest, you don't have any of your top six scores giving you above a 65% free throw shooting percentage, though you do wind up getting six half points and six boards out of Vladislav Guldin. He is seven foot one, winds up coming in from the power five level, and he's been able to do a nice job down low. You take a look at VCU, and you really don't have a guy other than Vince Williams Jr. giving you more than five rebounds per game. Hassan Ward has been missing for a few games. He's able to give you right around five points, five boards, but he's going to be out the fold for this team. You're going to be relying upon someone like a Jaden Nunn to be able to knock down threes. He's shooting 38% from distance, but overall... VCU shoots only 29% from three-point range, 64.5% the free throw line, nearly 16 turnovers per game, so that has been a little bit of a black eye, and I was just hoping for more out of Marcus Iones. Five points, two boards, two assists, shooting 31% from three. He has been relatively pedestrian since coming in from Washington. That's I guess what you can expect from guys coming over from Washington. Set VCU as a 10-point favorite, so seeing north of 10 in quite a few spots, I'm going to wind up taking the points here in Florida Atlantic. Set this all at 128. This is actually like five points higher than I would have set it without Ace Baldwin, who's been able to do a solid job. Also generating a grand total of 10 seals in two games. I don't think that that's necessarily sustainable, so going to be going under, and I'm going to be taking north of double digits here with Florida Atlantic. 657, 658 on the betting board. You've got Akron, and they're going to be in the road to face off against Wright State. Wright State hopes to be the right side as they are between a two and a half and a three point favorite and your total on this game is anywhere between 143 and a half and 145 as at right state as a three and a half point favorite I think that these teams are relatively equal on a neutral court but I do think that right state is going to look better than they have in the first couple weeks of the season and that's because you've got Grant Basile who's been able to do a nice job Great versatility at six foot nine, 20 points, five and a half boards, shooting 62.5% from three, obviously not sustainable. What else is not sustainable? Rest of the team outside of them is shooting right around 25% from three. Now, what I like about Wright State is that each other top four scores shoot at least 80% the free throw line overall as a team. They shoot 79.5%, so that's a redeeming quality when it comes to this team. You're also able to get Tanner Holden going as well with right around 20 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job. You've been able to get right around 12 and a half points per game out of Trey Calvin, but then Take a look at Akron, and this has been a very hit-or-miss team themselves when it comes to shooting, because they're now shooting about 35% from three. Among their top three scorers that have made a three-point shot, all of them shoot at least 36%, but the problem is, they shoot as a collective 63.5% the free-throw line. That's just not going to get the job done. 12.5 turnovers per game with how slowly they play. Neither great nor terrible. Ali Ali, 12 points, four boards. He's also been able to give the team right around three assists per game, and is actually leading the team in that category, so it's not a bad court that is necessarily too explosive. Xavier Castaneda, along with Ryan Trimble Jr., are both able to give you right around 10.5 points per game, so maybe able to do a nice job. You've also had K.J. Walton be able to contribute whenever he's been out there. Has been missing the last three games as well, so that takes a little bit of depth out of this team, and I do think that that's going to bode well for a right state team that they themselves, you can tell they're struggling a little bit without loud and love, but I do think that they are going to be able to do just enough down low because you do have Enrique Freeman, who's been able to do a great job for Akron, 13.5 points, 11.5 rebounds per game, but doesn't necessarily have versatility, I think that right state they're going to be able to do a better job with regards to that with Tim Finke being able to give the team eight and a half points right around six boards per game so it's a spot in which I wound up saying right state as a three and a half point favorite so one to lay two and a half two three here when it comes to the total set it at 147 and a half even though right state hasn't necessarily been as efficient as they've been in past years on offense they're still pumping up the tempo in Akron they themselves after they had just a ghastly bad offensive performance towards late November. They've been picking it up as well. So, going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be laying it here with Wright State. 659, 660 on the bang board. Missouri State is going to be playing us to South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits are between four and five point favorites. Your total on this game is anywhere between 157.5 and 159. Seeing it's straight 156.5 out there as well. And 
I wound up setting this total at 161. I do think that South Dakota State is going to be able to get their tempo in this game. They're playing against a Missouri State team that they themselves are looking to gun in a little bit more. And with this Missouri State team, they do a great job of being able to hit their three-point shots. And when it comes to Missouri State, set them as a three-point favorite. So with South Dakota State catching between four and five, I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to the Jackrabbits. When it comes to the Jackrabbits, they're coming off of a huge win against Washington State. So you do have a little bit of a scheduling concern there. Maybe they wind up getting fat and happy after that win, but you do have Noah Friedel giving you 20 points, shooting 43% from three, and you just take a look at this Jackrabbit team. Among guys that have made a three-point shot, nobody shoots below 39.1%. As a collective, they shoot 45.5%. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there, but, I mean, Baylor Shireman, a 6'6 six six combo player, 14 points, 9 boards, 4 assists, a steal and a half per game. Guys, the stat sheets suffer. Then you take a look at Missouri State, and they really do have a big three, and their top two are really the biggest. Isaiah Mosley, Gage Prim. I combined 34 points out of them. Prim, nine boards and a, and a block and a half per game. Meanwhile, Mosley, he's able to give you right around five boards. Shoots 93.5% the free throw line. Both of these guys combined to shoot about 39% from three. Missouri State overall shoots 80% the free throw line, 37% from three. I think that they're going to be able to hold up on their home floor because they don't turn the ball over a lot. Right around 11 after an overs game, Jalen Minute has been able to give you 13 points. He shoots 48% from three-point range. And then someone like Donovan Clay is able to give you seven points, five and a half rebounds per game. Javonta Black has been a good facilitator as well. To be able to give the team 10 points, does a good job as an on-ball defender. So I do think the Missouri State is going to be able to play a little bit more offense, but I think that you're going to be seeing a very frenetic pace. You've got some good glue guys like a Douglas Wilson, who was a Summit League Player of the Year two years ago with 14 points, 5.5 rebounds. Alex Arians is able to give you right around 7.5 points per game. Charlie Easley, he's easily giving you 8 points and shooting 60% from 3. So I think that you get a high-scoring affair. Set this all at 161. And me and Missouri State a 3-point favorite. So we'll only take 4.5 to 5 here with South Dakota State to go along with that over. 661, 662 on the betting board. Temple is going to be playing us to Central Florida. Central Florida is between a 4 and 4.5 and point favorite. And your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between 135.5 and, and 136.5. Central Florida is playing a Temple team that is going to be without their top score for the rest of the year, and that would be Khalif Battle. Battle was given the team right around 21 points per game, but you do take a look at Temple ever since he wound up going down, and they've actually looked relatively solid. The loss against St. Joe's, that was tough, but they win in overtime on the road against Vanderbilt. They take down Penn as well. So, some good redeeming qualities when it comes to the team. And Damian Dunn, so I'm going to need to get her done for this team. Right around 13 and a half points, five boards, shooting 36% from three-point range. So, he's been able to do a nice job there. You take a look at Central Florida, and this is a bunch of which you've got two guys that are really able to start out there in the backcourt. Darren Green Jr. and Darius Perry. These two guys are combining for about 28 points per game and combining to shoot over 45% from three. You haven't gotten a lot out of Brandon Mann, but C.J. Walker's chipping in there nine and a half points, six and a half boards per game, but that shouldn't strike a lot of fear into a Temple team that they don't have a lot of size. You've got Nick Jordy on right now leading the way with five and a half rebounds per game, but this truly is a whole is greater than the sum of its parts sort of Temple team because players one through six with regards to their scoring that are currently active all have between 3.1 and five and a half rebounds per game, so you've got some good balance there. St. Schulbert is able to give you a little bit of something down low. Now Temple only shooting 68% the free throw line, but I do think that this Temple bunch is going to be able to hold up on their home floor. You can tell that they're taking a little bit of a different approach, and they've played a tad bit more up-tempo the first couple games. That Vanderbilt game going over was just a calamity. I think that that's a little bit of an outlier, so did wind up setting this one at 131. I'm willing to dive under with Central Florida being a very slow and controlled team, and set Central Florida as a 3.5 point favorite, so here at 4 to 4.5, going to be taking the points along with the under. 663, 664 on the betting board. Middle Tennessee State is going to be in the road to face off against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 9.5 to a 10.5 point favorite, and your draw on 
game, you're going to be finding it at a 133 and a half. And when it comes to Middle Tennessee, they are improved from previous years. And this is obviously the Kermit Davis Bowl, as Kermit Davis actually coached at Middle Tennessee before going to Ole Miss. But when it comes to Ole Miss, it's a three-point shooting team, which is very streaky. Jarkel Joyner has been solved from three-point range, shooting 41.5% from threes. They will give the team 15.5 points per game. Nobody else on Ole Miss giving you more than 8.5 points per game. That would be Jamin Brakefield, who's been able to do that. You take a look at Ole Miss, and they're shooting 68% the free throw line. Good at controlling the ball. Only right around 11 after an overs per game. And then you take a look at Middle Tennessee, and it's really been Eli Lawrence, who has been spearheading the scoring for this team. He and Josh Jefferson are combining for about 25.5 points per game. You take a look at this team down low, and Lawrence right now leads the way with guards rebounding as well with right around 5 boards per game. DeAndre Dishman will give you 8 points, 4.5 rebounds per game. But I do take a look at this Middle Tennessee bunch, and though they are getting right around 9 steals per game, I think that is quite a bit due to the lack of competition that they played thus far this year. Now you've got Isaiah Turner, who has been in and out of the fold for this team a little bit. He's returned in the last two games. And he's been able to give the team a combined 16 points and 8 rebounds in those games. But I do think that Ole Miss is going to be able to do a good job down low with nice here. Brooks being able to give you 7.5 rebounds per game. And I think that Ole Miss just the more talented team in this spot in general. You've got a Middle Tennessee bunch. They're neither fast nor slow. Now, I set my total at 133.5 as well. So I'm going to be waiting on a little bit of a line move here at 133.5. If I had to take it, I'd be taking a look at the under. But so it's a spot in which I want to be taking a look at how this line winds up moving with regards to the total. But like I said, at 133.5, more inclined to take the under than the over with the way that Ole Miss has been playing defense. I'd set Ole Miss as a 15.5 point favorite. So willing to lay the points. 665, 666 on the bank board. Southeast Missouri State hits the road to face off against Southern Illinois. The Salukis are between 11 and 13 point favorites and your toss game is any between 135 and 136. Southern Illinois actually ranks in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game. They haven't been necessarily efficient. They haven't been inefficient either. It's a team in which you got Lance Jones doing a good job pumping in their 16 and a half points per game but he only shoots right around 26.5% from three. Big thing with Southern Illinois. They're shooting as a collective 65% the free throw line which I do think is a little bit of an issue in this spot when it comes to Southeast Missouri State. I feel like people have soured on them a little bit too much. You do have a guy that's able to give you 7.5 points, 7.5 points per game, and Nigel Russell has been able to do a good job. You've been able to have Manny Patterson along Donna Adkin also be able to give you 5 boards to be able to chip in there with Southeast Missouri State. They shoot 75% of the free throw line, which I think is going to be important in this game, especially with Eric Reed Jr. being able to give you 16 points per game, and Philip Russell chipping in there another 12.5 when it comes to Southern Illinois. Not a team that does a great job down low. Ben Copa Jr. has been the top rebounder for this team with 10.5 points, 4.5 rebounds per game. Now he does shoot 36 and a half percent from three-point range. And then Marcus Domas, a little bit of a stat sheet suffer for the team. 16 points, four and a half boards, four assists as a six-foot-six combo player. But I think that Southern Illinois has been said as too much of a favorite. It's hard to cover these numbers for one, being a team that is this slow, and for two, being a bad free-throw shooting team that doesn't necessarily stroke it well from three, that doesn't necessarily have a great rebounder. I just don't see why the line is up this high. Why well, I'm saying Southeast Missouri State is a nine and a half point dog, so won't take double digits here. When it comes to total, say at 128 was how slow Southern Illinois is playing. So, taking the under and taking the points. 667, 668 on the bank board. Lamar is going to be in the road to face off against Texas State. Texas State is a 14.5 point favorite. Your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 131.5 and a 132.5. I want to make it my total on this game. 131. So, we're going to be taking a look at an under. You've got a Texas State team that has been shooting it well from three-point range, but they still rank in the bottom 75 with guards possessions per game. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you're going to be able to get out of this Lamar team. And they've been dealing with a couple of ailments. Big one has been to Jordan Adams, a guy that winds up coming in from Austin P. has only played five games this year. And Kaysan Harrison, he's only played five games as well. So both of these guys likely going to be out once again with Adams right around 
13 points, 3.5 assists per game, and then with Harrison, 10 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, and with Adams. He also shot 43.5% from 3-point range for a bunch of Without him in the fold, they're shooting right around 30% from 3. Now, Davion Buster, CJ Roberts, they combine for 28 points per game, but you really don't have a ton of rebounding when it comes to the team. Lincoln Smith has been able to give you 5.5 rebounds per game, so that has been very helpful, but you take a look at the flip side for Texas a It's a team that has a collective, shoots 38.5% from 3-point range. Mason Arrow along Caleb Asbury combined to shoot about 47% from 3-point range. They are able to give you a combined 26.5 points per game. Isaiah Small has come up big for the team. 12.7.5 boards to 3-point shooting. It's taking a dip from last year where it was 40%, but still doing a good job. Down low, you've got Nigel Caesar who's able to give you 5.5 boards, 7.5 points per game. It's not necessarily a deep rotation. So they're going to be looking to Darian Jenkins to be able to step up. Someone who has only played in two games this season, but when he's been out there, he's been able to average right around six and a half points per game. You need a little bit more out of Drew Drinnen as well. A guy that has given you right around five points per game. A good on-ball defender, but not necessarily a guy that does a great job of being able to give you necessarily a lot on the offensive end. So I take a look at this, and I do think that Texas State should be a relatively solid favorite, but I could only make them 11 at two touchdowns plus the extra points. Going to be willing to take the points here with Lamar. I think that's going to be a a little bit of a grimier game, especially with Lamar dealing with a lot of backcourt pieces on the fold, so diving under along with the points. 669, 670 on the betting board. You've got Xavier, and they're going to be playing us some more at State. More at State is finding themselves in between 15.5 and, and 16 point underdogs with your Toronto's game, in between 135.5 and, and 137. It's a total in which I want to say at 132.5. You've got another team in more at State that does play very slow. Now, Xavier has been popping up their tempo a little bit more, and you have Zach Fremantle back in the fold. He's someone that was eased into the rotation in the first couple games. He's been able to give the team double figures in their last two games after last year. He was able to average right around 16.5.7 boards per game, so that is very beneficial to them, especially with Jack Nunge playing the way that he is. Transfer from Iowa has been able to give the team 13.7.5 boards. Overall, Xavier shoots right around 34% from three. The 14.5 turnovers per game, not necessarily great, but I do like what you're able to get out of Nate Johnson. The fact that he is shooting 47.5% from three is very big for this team. You take a look at more at Satan. It's all about what you're able to get down low out of GNI Brew. Give him a broom because he is cleaning up with 3.8 blocks, 15 points, 10 boards per game. With that said, you do have a pair of guys shooting approximately 37.1% from three-point range. In Skyler Potter along Trey Hollowell, these two guys are combining to be able to give you 22.5 points per game. Potter is able to chip in there right around six boards per game. And then you've got Taylon Cooper, who's done a great job as a floor general for this team. Nine points, right around seven assists per game. A guy that's able to shoot about 32% from three as a collective. Red State shoots 35.5% from three-point range. The problem is 15 turnovers per game, so I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a sloppier game, and I do think that Morad State is going to be able to hang in there. Set Xavier as a 13.5 point favorite. I think that Xavier wins this game comfortably, but when you've got a guy like Broom down low, I think it's going to be able to keep this team live. I think that Morad State is going to have some good facilitation with Cooper, so going to be taking a look at the points in this spot, and with the total at 137 and making it 132.5 myself, going to be taking a look at the under. 671, 672 on the betting board. Evelyn Christian is going to be playing us to Cal State Bakersfield. Bakersfield is finding themselves in between a 9 and 9.5 point underdog. A draws game is anywhere team 127.5 and 129. Because of Bakersfield, this has been one of the slower teams in all of college basketball themselves, but you do take a look at Zabli and Christian Bunch, and even though they no longer have Joe Golding there as coach, they have been doing a good job of being able to force some turnovers, so I think that they're going to be holding true to the form that we wound up seeing when they wound up making the NCAA tournament last season. You just take a look at the Zabli and Christian Bunch, and they're generating 11.5 steals per game now. Quite a few of those games came against non 
91 competition, but the guy that I really like for this team has been Mr. Corian Mason. 13 points per game, shooting 54.5% from three, and he's been able to shoot 84% the free throw line for a bunch that is shooting right around 34.5% from three, 69.5% at the free throw line, so you could use a little bit more outside shooting, but Damian Daniels has been able to do a good job dishing out 4.5 assists per game, and Reggie Miller, no, not the gentleman from the Indiana Pacers, 5 points, 5 boards, right around 2.5 assists, and a seal and a half per game, so he's been good, and then you take a look at Kelsey Bakersfield, and you don't have a single guy that's giving you double figures, but you got a team in which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Nine points, five boards per game out of Justin Elder Davis. This is a Bakersfield team that they only shoot right around 63.5% the free throw line, 32% from three, but they do generate seven and a half steals per game. I do like what I've seen out of Caleb Higgins. He's been able to give the team eight and a half points per game. He's been able to pop off for six plus points in four other teams last five games. So he's been able to give a little bit of consistency. And then you've got Justin McCall. He's so able to shoot 50% from three-point range. He's able to chip in their 9.8 points per game. So I do think the Bakersfield is going to be able to hold within arm's reach in this game. With Abilene Christian, it's a team of which I want to making a nine and a half point favorite in this spot. So at the nine, I'm willing to lay it. I'm not willing to lay any more than nine once you wind up getting the double digits. Then I'd be taking a look at Bakersfield. And with this spot, I do think that you're going to get a little bit of late game following. So I did wind up setting this total at 129 as a result. And I do think that you're going to get quite a few turnovers as well. So taking a look at the over and willing to lay the nine with Abilene Christian. We move on to game number 673, 674 on the betting board. UC Irvine is going to be in the road face off against USC. The Trojans find themselves anywhere between 10 and a half and 11 and a half point favorites. And their draw game is between 128 and a half and 129 and a half. Zod Zod for the Anteaters, one of the slowest teams you're going to find in all of college basketball. I think that they're going to be able to hold in this game. We were talking about with Ian McMillan on the podcast yesterday. This is a team that you know exactly what you're going to get out of them. A very slow, controlled team. A team that is never really going to be playing outside of themselves. And then you take a look at the deficiencies of USC. And there aren't necessarily a ton of them. The big one, though at the free throw line. This is a team that is in the bottom 20 with regards to all college basketball in that aspect shooting 57.6% the free throw line. You don't have a single guy that has given you more than 2 points per game that is shooting better than 69.5% the free throw line. So you really have no good shooters on this team now. Isaiah Mobley is a 6'11 combo player. So he will give you 14.5 points, 10 boards, shoots 41% for three-point range as a collective. USC does shoot 35% for three, led by Drew Peterson. Great last name. 11 points, 5.5 boards, 3.5 assists. He's been able to do a good job along Boogie Ellis, who's been able to chip in their 3.5 assists and 12 points of his own, but then you take a look at the flip side for UC Irvine, and Colin Velp is able to put a Velpin on team. 609 combo player, 12.5 points per game, shooting 38.5% from three with 7 rebounds per game. Now, with UC Irvine, you don't necessarily have that one main facilitator as Velp is actually leading the way with that regard, but the guy that I do like in the backcourt has been Dawson Baker. 12 points, doesn't give a lot of assists, but shoots 40% from three-point range, gives you a seal per game. UC Irvine does a very good job of being able to control games. They get right around 8.5 seals per game. They do turn the ball over 13 and a half times per game with how slow they play. That's not necessarily great. And 69% free throw shooting isn't necessarily terrific, but you take a look at it, and among their top five scores, four of them shoot at least 72% at the line. So you've got a few redeeming qualities there. I think that UC Irvine, with their hard-nosed defense, with having good overall size, they are going to be able to hang in this game against USC. Wanted to saying USC as an eight-point favorite, so willing to take double digits here with UC Irvine. I think the UC Irvine is going to slow this game down to a cross at the total of 126, so diving under as well. 675, 676 on the main board. Arizona is going to be playing us during Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado. And we're between a 23.5 and a 24-point underdog. And your tallest game is 154. I said Arizona as a 20.5-point favorite. I 
thought I was going to be a little bit high. So bookmakers certainly have bought in on this Wildcats team. I think that we went a little bit far here. You do have a guy in Dallin Counts who wanted to begin his career with Colorado. So he's familiar with playing against this team. He's been able to chip in there 19 points per game. A guy that's shooting 40% for three for a collective that shoots 37.1% from distance. Now, when it comes to Northern Colorado, they do not force seals. Right around force seals per game. They do a good job of being able to cut off the three-point arc. But you take a look at what you're able to get out of Ben Matherin along with Zulus Tabellus. Both of these guys have been amazing. It combined 34.5 points per game. Both guys give you 6.7 rebounds per game. You've got Matherin shooting 38% per three. As a collective, Arizona, not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooting team, right around 34%, but they're just so efficient because they get nearly 22 assists per game. It's a very unselfish team as you've got only one guy giving you more than four assists per game. So great passing up and down the boulevard. Kirk Carissa has been able to give you 12 points, five assists per game. You've had Christian Coloco go loco down low with three and a half blocks per game with right around 13.7 boards. So I certainly do like what he's able to bring to the table. Someone like Adele and Terry has been a good facilitator as well with four assists per game. But I do think that Northern Colorado is going to be able to hang within three touchdowns in this game because you do have Kerr Junkic who's been able to give you 10.7 boards per game. You've also got a guy in Bodie Hume who wound up having a little bit of a rough start through the year but has been able to pick it up recently. Double figures and now four of the team's last five games. Eight plus in all five as well. So I do take a look at it and I think the Northern Arizona should be able to hold within this number. I set them as a 20 and a half point underdog. So want to take a 24 here. When it comes to this total, Arizona, they are in the top 10 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. Northern Colorado, not a team that's looking to gun at themselves. So Arizona, they're in the top 25 with regards to possessions per game. So settled on a 148 with regards to the total. So going to be taking a look at the under along with the points with Northern Colorado. 677, 678 on the betting board. You've got Utah State in the road face off against Weber State. Weber State is finding themselves as a two and a half point underdog in your tallest game is any more team 142 and seeing a size of 143.5. I flipped it. I want to make it Weber State a two-point favorite. I do like what I'm seeing out of Utah State, and Utah State has some big men. They're able to shoot it from three-point range. Justin Bean has been one of the best big men in all of college basketball. He's shipping in there 21 points, 11.5 rebounds, three assists, two steals while shooting 52% for three, and then Brandon Orvith is shooting 51% from distance for a team that shoots 37% for three, and keep in mind with Bean and Orvith, both of these guys are six foot eight or greater with Horvath right around 13 points per game. Backcourt leaves a little bit of something to be desired. Brock and Roll Miller is able to give you 9.5 points per game shooting 37% from 3 point range and then Ryland Jones, 9 points 6 assists, 3 boards. He's able to give you 2 steals per game as well. So these guys have been relatively solid but then you take a look at Weber State as a collective. This bunch is shooting about 74% at the free throw line only about 31% from 3 but they also chip in there right around 9 steals per game. Kobe McEwen is someone that comes in from Marquette giving you 15.5 points per game, 4.5 boards so he has been very good for this team. You've been able to get right around 12 points and 3 assists per game out of Siku Sisho Jawara. So he's been able to do a nice job in the backcourt as well. And then you take a look down low. Got a double-double machine in Dylan Jones. 12 points, 10.5 rebounds per game. This team has been operating pretty much the entirety of the season without Dante Bassett as well, which makes things all the more impressive. And then you're able to have a six foot ten gentleman, Cody Carlson, who last year shot 47% from three-point range, only chipping in there six and a half points per game as well this year, but I think that he's going to be able to rise up. I like what I've seen out of this Weber State team this season, especially when it comes to being able to pump up the tempo. So I did wind up setting this total at a 146.5, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I think that you wind up getting late game following, and I do think that even though you got a little bit of size advantage when it comes to Utah State, Weber State going to be able to pull through with their backwards. So, taking Weber State on the money line at home, and I'm going to be taking a look at this little over. 679, 680 is the New York Post play of the day as you've got Portland in the road to face off against Oregon. Oregon is an 18-point favorite, and your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 140.5 and a 141.5. 
Oregon is just that good right now. I made the New York Post play of the day, Portland on the spread, because I said Portland is a 10-point underdog. I really like what I'm seeing out of this Pilots team. You've had Shante Leggins do a great job of being preach to his team, get to the free throw line. Portland is in the top 20 in all of college basketball with regards to points that come from free throws, and they've got three guys that are able to give you at least 14.5 points per game. Moses Wood, Chris Austin, along with Tyler Robertson. Robertson has been able to chip in there with his 16.5 points per game, 7.5 boards. You've got Austin and Wood shooting a combined 44.5% from three-point range with Wood right around 6.5 rebounds per game. Austin, more like 5 rebounds per game. And you've been able to have Mr. Michael Meadows do a great job of being able to facilitate the same 10.5 points, 4 boards, 4 assists. Um, that has been very terrific for Portland as they shoot 81% the free throw line, 35% from three. And then you take a look at Oregon and it's a team that's falling short on offense right now. And with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, outside the top 170. So that has been terrible. You've got Quincy Garrier who's able to give you right around five and a half boards, seven and a half points per game, but you haven't necessarily had a lot of explosiveness there. Now, Eric Williams Jr. and Will Richardson do combine for 22 points per game. They combine to be able to shoot about 41.5% from three-point range, but with Oregon, they shoot 65.5% the free throw line. Davion Harmon has been able to give you eight and a half points per game, but this is a team that's really lacking a lot down low. They're lacking a lot when it comes to the outside. I've had high expectations for Infali Dante. Now, Dante has been able to give you at least five rebounds in each of the last four games, so he's looked a little bit better there, but he hasn't been the disruptor that we were hoping they'd be coming into college and it's a team in Portland that has really been able to improve throughout the season. I feel like bookmakers have yet to adjust enough on Oregon, so I'm willing to take the points here with Portland. That's an ER post play today. I do think that things are going to be slowed down. Oregon has been in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game. Portland has been a team that hasn't been known to gun it too much or not necessarily playing slow, but I think that this is going to be a game which Portland is willing to play at Oregon's tempo, so set the total at 134, diving under, and the New York Post play today is Portland getting the points. 681, 682 on the bank board. You got UC San Diego, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against Denver. The Pioneers are finding themselves as a three and a half point home underdog in your Talents game, finding it anywhere between a 130 and a half and a 131. And when it comes to UC San Diego, set them as a two and a half point favorite. With UC San Diego, it's a team in which I'm starting to sell on just a little bit because I felt like their north of 43% three point shooting was not sustainable. And right now, that is turning out to be the case. Now, you've got a guy, Antonio Rocock, who's been able to do a terrific job. 16 points per game, 7.5 boards. Only shoots right around 29% from three as a collective. San Diego is now shooting a right around 49% from three-point range, but it's a team that doesn't necessarily play fast, and they commit 14.3 turnovers per game with Rokok giving you right around five of those. So that has been very stark, and Rokok unlikely to play in this game as well, which makes things even worse. You take a look at the two games that they have played without him. They wind up getting a win against Eastern Michigan, but that's Eastern Michigan, and then they wind up losing by 22 to Seattle in their worst offensive performance of the season. And then you take a look at Denver, and it's been a rough team on offense. No fans are buts about it. They've actually played quite a few relatively close games, so you've got a guy in KJ Hunt who's been able to give you 16 points per game. You've got a Denver team that has a collective. Shoots only about 66% at the free throw line, but they do shoot 35% from three-point range. You've been able to get some relatively solid production out of Mike Yan, a guy that's saying 6'8", shoots 40% from three-point range with 11.5 points per game. Big key is getting a little bit more in the backcourt for someone like a Corbin Porter who's been able to give the team 8 points per game on a missing a little bit of time this year, so he wound up getting a little bit of late start, but nine plus points in now far the last five games, so he's been able to improve. Now, down low, this is a Denver team that they're going to get decimated. They don't have a single guy that's given them more than four and a half rebounds per game, and KJ Hunt, Peyton Moore has been able to give you a little bit of something down low, but you see San Diego, they themselves are not necessarily terrific in the post. You do have a little bit of a glue guy that I like, and Jake Killingsworth, who comes in from Columbia, six points, five boards, two and a half assists per game, shooting 44% for three, but I do think that UC San Diego is going to be able to win this game all right, but I can see this coming 
down to the final possession, and I do think that you're going to see both offenses be able to emerge a little bit, especially with Denver shooting it well from three. So, set this on 142.5, going to be going over, and willing to take 3.5 here when it comes to Denver. So, taking them with the points and not the money line. 683, 684 on the Bangor. UNLV is going to be playing us in Nebraska. Omaha set hike. Omaha is finding themselves anywhere between 18.5 and 19-point underdogs in your total scheme. It's 138.5. When it comes to UNLV, set them as a 19-point favorite. So, I mean, it's gotten close, but I'm willing to take UNLV. This is an Omaha team that they are in the bottom 15 in all of college basketball. It has not been good to watch them this year, as you've got an Omaha team that you've got one guy that's averaging more than 9 points per game. And Kyle Lutke, 9 points. Four and a half points. He's shooting 39% for three as a six foot five combo player, but Price Hamilton going to be the most gifted scorer out there on the court. He's able to give this UNLV team 18 points per game, only shooting about 33% for three point range, but you've been able to get 44% three point shooting out of Donovan Williams, who's really been able to emerge for this team recently. 12 points per game. Michael Nuga wound up having a rough start to begin the year after he wound up having his season ended by an injury while he was at Kent State, but in the team's last game against Seattle, 21 points in that one. He was missing for the team's game against Hartford. Looks like he's going to be good to go for this one though. Roy Sam, he's been able to go in. Nine and a half rebounds per game. He's not necessarily the world's greatest shot blocker at right around a block per game, but still able to do a relatively solid job down low. UNLV also does not beat themselves. Only about 11 turnovers per game. This is a Omaha team that they just don't do anything right when it comes to the offensive side of things. They're shooting about 33% from three, but 15 turnovers per game as one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. Now, Nick Ferrarani has come in. He's been able to do a solid job. Nine plus points in each of the team's last three games and seven games because he wanted missing a couple it's been averaging right around 10 points per game, but got a lot of question marks when it comes to the team with Isaiah Poubair Chandler out of the fold. You don't have a single guy that's giving you at least five rebounds per game, so I think that Oma really going to be up against it in this game. I set UNLV as a 19-point favorite as a result. Set this total at 135, just because I just don't know if Oma is going to be able to score on a UNLV team that has actually been quite solid on defense and a UNLV team that has really been playing slow. So, diving under and laying the points when it comes to UNLV. This is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra games. 685, 686, New Mexico State. It's a road face off against Washington State. The Cougars are laying anywhere between 7.5 and 8 points. And your total on this game, you're going to be finding it between a 137 and a 137.5. It's a game in which I want to make a 7-point line. So getting north of a touchdown with New Mexico State, that is appealing to me. When it comes to New Mexico State, you've got some very good depth when it comes to this team. They're a team that is relatively efficient on offense, relatively efficient on defense. They don't necessarily have one strength, but they just do a whole bunch of things relatively well. With Teddy Allen being able to lead the team along Jabari Rice as well. These two guys combine for about 30 and a half points per game. They're able to give you about 12 boards. Sir Jabari Rice, three and a half assists per game as well. And then you take a look at New Mexico State as a collective. They shoot 72% at the free throw line, 33% from three. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Down low, you've had Donnie Tillman be in and out of the fold a little bit, but eight and a half points per game. Whenever he's been out there, he's been relatively rock solid. You got to figure that he's going to be out of the fold in this game. So, in his place, you've got six foot ten Will McNair Jr. giving you six rebounds per game in the last few games. He's been able to do a nice job with eight plus points in three of the team's last five. And then you take a look at Washington State. This has been a team that's been kicking up their tempo a little bit because you do have quite a few players that you like out there in the back. Or TJ Bamba has been able to give you nine and a half points per game. He's shooting 42% from three point range. Ty Ralkos Roberts has seen a little bit of a drop off as he left the South Dakota State game with an injury and he may not be able to go in this game and has scored zero points in two out of the last three games. They 
played in now. You've been able to get right around 14 points and four boards out of Michael Flowers, who comes in from South Alabama. He's been able to do a nice job there as you've got a Washington State team that they shoot 75% at the free throw line, 35% from three-point range, but I do think that New Mexico State is going to be able to do a relatively solid job on the glass against the Washington State team that they do have Mohamed Gay being able to give you six rebounds per game, but they're not necessarily out there. So I'm going to be looking to take the points here with New Mexico State. Set this all at 135. I think that New Mexico State is going to make this game a little bit sloppier, a little bit more in the post, so diving under as well. Now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. We go in Las Vegas rotation order with these as well. This begins with 306-051, 306-052. Georgetown is going to be playing us to Howard. Howard is a 10-10 and a half point underdog with your total 155. I want to send Howard as a 9 point underdog, so I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Georgetown. Just not a team that is impressing me right now. They were able to have a nice win against the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, but past that, this has been a team that has no showed all season long. Amino Muhammad has been good down low. 15 points, 8.5 rebounds per game as a collective Georgetown. Does shoot right around 39.5% from 3-point range, but they turn the ball over 14 times as well. They rank outside the top 200 when it comes to opponent's 3-point shooting percentage as well. And Howard, they shoot 39% from 3-point range. Among their top 6 scores, 5 of them shoot at least 37.9% from 3-point range. You've been able to get some very good production on the two Columbia transfers as Randy Brummett along with Ty Bibbs are combining for 20 points per game. Bibbs is able to give you 2.5 assists per game. And then the guy that has really been able to pop off, Elijah Hawkins as a freshman. 14.5 points, 5 boards, 7 assists, 2.5 steals per game. Now, the 5 turnovers per game is a little bit unsightly. Howard as a collective, they do turn the ball over right around 15.5 times per game, but they generate 10 steals per game in Georgetown. Only about 7 of them, so I think that that's going to be playing a little bit of a factor. I do think that you do wind up seeing a little bit more slowdown play from Georgetown. Neither of these teams are necessarily going to be slowing it down, but at the same time, neither of these teams are necessarily in the top 50 with regards to possessions per game either, so I feel like 149 is a little bit more of a fair total. I want to take this total under, but when it comes to Georgetown, I want to send them as a 9-point favorite, so I'm going to be taking double digits here with Howard as well. 306-053, 306-054. Elon is going to be playing on some Winthrop. Winthrop is a 3.5-point road favorite with your total between 153 and 153.5. So Winthrop has a 4-point favorite, so I mean 3.5 is the max I'd be willing to lay with them, but I am willing to lay the 3.5 here when it comes to Winthrop, and Winthrop is a team that, even though they wound up having a little bit of a coaching change in the offseason, they have not been slowing down their tempo whatsoever. You've got a Winthrop team that has DJ Boone down though, 16 points, five boards per game. He was the number three recruit in South Carolina a few years ago. Number one was Zion Williamson, and number two was... Aaron Nesmith. So that tells you what sort of company he's in. Corey Hightower has missed a couple games this season for Winthrop, but he should be good to go in this one. It's given the team 15 plus points in three of the team's last five games, shooting 48% from three as a six foot seven combo player. Patrick Good has been very good as well, shooting 47% from three point range. You've got a Winthrop team that has a collective. They shoot 39% for three now, 69% the free throw line. And you take a look at Elon, a little bit more of a slow and controlled team that shoots 76.5% at the free throw line. And from three point range, they combined to shoot 36.5% from three. Hunter McIntosh, Torrance Watson. These two guys are combined for about 24 and a half points per game. Down low, you don't necessarily have one terrific rebounder, but Michael Graham is able to give you six points, six boards, so he's been able to emerge for this team as a little bit of a post-presence down necessary guy that is going to be scoring a whole heck of a lot. Hunter Woods, he's been able to shoot 38% from three and 91% the free throw line, so big time kudos to him. Right around ACO and half per game, and then you've got a good on-ball defender in Darius Buford, one of the more underrated ones in all of college basketball. He's been able to give you a little bit over a CO and a half per game to 
goal along 12 points, shooting 35% from three-point range. So I do think that Elon is going to be providing a little bit of a sift test, but I do think that Winthrop is going to be able to get it done when it's all said and done because they do have the most dominant low-post player in DJ Burns. I do think that Winthrop is also going to be able to do a good job with Drew Bugs being able to dish out the ball. A guy that's only averaging five and a half points per game, but take a look at him dishing out four assists per game. Really does a good job of being able to facilitate this offense. So maybe Winthrop a four-point favorite. I think that Elon is going to be able to slow down Winthrop just a tad. So set the total at 148 as well. So diving under 306055, 306056. Fairly Dickinson is going to be playing us a fair field. The Stags find themselves in between an 8.5 and a 9-point favorite in your tallest game. Is any more team 141 seeing a size of 142.5 with Fairfield? I do feel like they should be the favorite in this game, but I could only make them a touchdown 7-point favorite, so getting 8.5 to 9 I think is a good spot for Fairly Dickinson, a Fairly Dickinson team that we're going to call it what it is. They're not doing anything down low. Now, Supreme Cook on the flip side for Fairfield. He's able to give you right around 7.5 rebounds per game, 11 to 12 points per game, but I think it's going to be big for Fairly Dickinson is that this is a team that they do shoot right around 71% of the free throw line, 33.5% from three-point range, and I do like what you've been able to get recently out of Brandon Rush with right around 14.5 points per game. This has been a team that has been hampered by injury for much of the season, but Oscar Berry has been able to emerge for this team a little bit. He's been able to give the team 8-plus points in two of the team's last three games, so that has been big for them. John Squire Jr. down low has been able to give you right around 8.5 points, four boards per game. You take a look at him recently, 8-plus points in each of the team's last four games, so they do seem to be improving as things go along Fairfield. A very slow and controlled team. You've got Taj Benning. It's been able to give you right around 11.5 points per game. He's shooting 35.5% from three-point range. Fairfield loves a collective. Shoots 37% from three. 74% the free throw line, and they've really cut down on the turnovers this year. Nobody's giving you more than two turnovers per game. Right around 10.5 turnovers as a collective, but they also don't force a lot of seals. They can be a little bit lax when it comes to giving up the three-point arc as well with Fairleigh Dickinson. It's been a team which has been hit or miss when it comes to their offense. I do think that it's going to be a little bit more of a control game in this spot. I do wind up setting the total at a 137, so I'm willing to take an under, but I do think that Fairleigh Dickinson going to be able to hang in there. I think that they're going to do a good job against a SAG team, which other than Cook, you don't necessarily have ideal rebounding. You do have a guy in Paxson Wojcik who's been able to give you 10.5 points per game, but I do think that it's a spot in which Fairleigh Dickinson holds in there in their home court. So going to be taking a look at the points, and I'm going to be taking this total under. 306057, 306-058. Gardner Webb is going to be playing us to NC Central. NC Central is a nine-point underdog with your total between 138 and 138.5. And if it feels like we recently saw this matchup, it's because we did. This is a game which was played about two and a half weeks ago, and in that game, NC Central wound up getting curb stomped by Gardner Webb on November 29th by a count of 83 to 58. And for NC Central in that game, they went 5 22 from three point range, and NC Central shoots a little bit better than that from three point range for the season, but 29% from distance, right around 66.5% at the free throw line. That is not necessarily too ideal. Randy Miller Jr. has been able to give the team 12 points per game. He's went one of 11 in that spot. Now when it comes to Gardner-Webb, they are not going to shoot 11 of 24 for distance like they did in that previous game. They're also probably going to shoot better than 10 of 20 at the free throw line as this is a team that overall they shoot right around 29.5% from three, 67.5% at the free throw line. Now you take a look at the top end talent and it's relatively solid. Demarion Williams has been able to give you 14 points, 6 boards, 2.5 assists per game. You've been able to get 13 points as well out of Lance Terry who's been relatively solid out there in the backcourt. I was expecting a little bit more out of Jordan Sears. 8 points, 
points, 2.5 assists per game. Last year shot right around 40% from three. This year, 26.5% from distance. But you've been able to get right around 6.5 points and some solid three-point shooting. Uh, Anthony Seldon, 6 foot six combo player, shooting right around 33% from three. He's able to chip in there, four boards. So you do like that. And Kareem Reed has been able to give you two blocks per game. NC Central has just not necessarily had a ton down low. Chris Monroe, the transfer from Providence, has been able to give you right around 5.5 rebounds per game. Eric Boone is able to do a good job of being able to generate some steals. He's been able to give you two steals per game along Justin Wright as well. Now, when it comes to Boone, he's been in and out of the fold a little bit. Should be good to go in this one, but I don't think that NC Central is going to be able to avenge your loss. I think the Gardner-Webb just has their number in. Spot in which I think the Gardner-Webb takes it to NC Central once again. Me, Gardner-Webb, a 13-point favorite. I think what we wound up seeing with regards to scoring in the first game, fairly representative of what we're going to be seeing in this game as well. Set the total at 137, so diving under a long flying the points with Gardner-Webb. 306, 059, 306, 060. You've got yourself Campbell and the Fighting Camels going to be playing us to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is between a 5 and 6 point underdog with your total between 122 and 122 and a half. I don't think it's low enough. You've got two teams that are in the bottom 15 in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game. I set this total at 117 and both of these teams are actually relatively decent with regards to their offensive efficiency. You take a look at Georgia Southern and they shoot 34 and a half percent from three-point range. Now the 15 and a half turnovers per game is a bugaboo but they generate 9 and a half seals per game to be able to compensate for that. You take a look at Campbell and they themselves only turn the ball over right around 10 times per contest, but they shoot 29% from three. Now, the guy that I really like for this team is Cedric Henderson Jr. 13.5.6 boards per game for Campbell. You also have Ricky Clemens, stuff in the sad sheet. 11 points, 6 boards, 3 assists per game, but when it comes to 3-point shooting with this team, it's been a little bit of a mess because you have to deal with a little bit of an injury to Jordan Whitfield. He wound up missing 2 games for this team. Now, he has returned, but hasn't necessarily looked like himself. 8 points or fewer now for the team's last 5 games, and then you do take a look at Georgia Southern, and it is a bunch of which you've got some of that wise coming over from Russia in Andre Savarovsky, who's been able to give you right around 12.5 points per game. Elijah McCunnan has been able to chip in there 11 points per game as well. Now, when it comes to download, neither of these teams necessarily have that ideal rebounder, but Prince Tyambi has been able to give this Georgia Southern team 7.5 points right around 6 boards per game. Interesting spot here because I do think that Campbell should be favored, but I only set them as a 4.5 point favorite, so at 5 slash 6 willing to take the points when it comes to Georgia Southern, you've got a pair of teams that they shoot sub 70% free throw line, so even if it comes down to late game fouling, got to figure that there's going to be some bricks there. Set this all at 117 as a result, so diving under and taking the points with Georgia Southern. 306-061-306-062 Jacksonville State is going to be playing on the Florida International. For International. Anywhere between a 6 and 7 point underdog in your talent scheme is 132.5. When it comes to Florida International, they have been playing a little bit slower this year, but I think that this might be a little bit of an overreaction. I do think that you might have seen some late game following in this contest. And then when it comes to Jacksonville State, certainly a team that is always well coached under Ray Harper. What I think is big for Jacksonville State is that you've got a lot of guys that are able to stroke it from three point range as a collective. They shoot 41% from three point range. And among their top four scores that have made at least one three point shot this year, they're all making at least 39.5% of them. Darian Adams, does a great job being able to fill in where needed. 15.5 points, 4.6 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.8 steals per game, so he has been absolutely terrific. You've been able to get in from Mount St. Mary's, Jalen Gibson, who's been able to give you right around 11 points per game. Brandon Huffman down low, right around 10 points, 6 half rebounds per game, and then you take a look at FIU and you've got someone in Tevin Brewer who's really been leading the way for pretty much everything for this team. 16.5 points, 4.2 boards, 5.6 assists, shooting 43% for 3. FIU, they're not joining as many steals as last season, but still, 7.7 Seals per game is a collective. That's not necessarily too bad. You've been able to get right around two per contest. 
out of Daniel Parrish, who's been able to chip in there 15 points per game. Florida International shoots right around 34.5% from three-point range down, though. Could be a little bit of an issue, but Cloven Brown, the Vanderbilt transfer, has been able to give you 10 points, six half boards, and six foot eight. He's able to stroke a couple threes, shooting right around 28% from three-point range, has given the team at least 11 points and now far the team's last five games as well. So he's improving as the season goes along. Big X factor for this team. Seven foot one, Seth Pinkney, who winds up coming in from Quinnipiac. He's only been able to give the team right around four boards per game. You take a look at him recently, though. At least four boards in each of the last five games. So after a rough start, he's been picking it up along with 1.7 blocks per game. So I take a look at this game. I do think the Florida International is going to be a laying in there. I set Jacksonville State as a five and a half point favorite. So one to take six to seven here. I do think that you wind up getting some late game fouling as well. So the solo 137.5. So going over 306.063, Wisconsin is going to be playing us to Nichols State. Nichols is finding themselves a 19 point underdog with your total between 136 and 137. Wisconsin is still a bottom 75 team when it comes to tempo. You've got a Nichols team that they have been able to do a great job of being able to generate turnovers in recent years. In two out of the last three years, they rank in the top 10 with the yards steals per game. Now, you take a look at it this year, and they're generating right around 10 steals per game. You've had a couple 91 teams in the fold. They are able to shoot 35.5% from three-point range. Big concern that you do have, they shoot 60.4% at the free-throw line. You take a look at their top five scores for them, shoot 63% at the free-throw line or fewer, but you do take a look at Devontae Carter. Wines coming in for Norfolk State, and he's been rock solid for this team. 10.7 points, four rebounds, three assists per game. He has been just really doing a nice job of being able to help out this defense as well with his 2.2 steals per game. Take a look at Ty Gordon, main scorer for the team. 19 points, four boards, 3.2 assists, two steals, shoots 37% for three-point range. You're able to get 35% three-point shooting with 10 points per game out of Latrell Jones. Emmanuel Littles has been able to give the team six half rebounds per game, but what has been surprising about Wisconsin is what you've been able to get down low out of Tyler Wall. Wall has been able to give you eight points, five boards, right around 1.6 blocks per game. Steven Kroll has been able to chip in there four and a half boards per game as well, and then you've got pretty much a designated rebounder in Chris Vogt. Four rebounds and 11.6 minutes per game, but you gotta be talking about Johnny Davis. Mr. Johnny has been terrific. 21 points, 6 boards, shoots 38% from three-point range. He is putting himself in the All-American consideration at this point. Brad Davidson, 15 points per game has been good as well. I think that Wisconsin should be able to win this game. With Wisconsin in the top 15 in all of college basketball, the guards have fewest turnovers per game, so I think that Nichols is going to have a tough time generating turnovers with them. I do think that Wisconsin gets their style, but I do think that Nichols, they themselves are going to be able to knock down a couple threes. So, so Wisconsin is a 14.5 point favorite, so one to take 19 with the Nichols. Set this all 130.5 as well, so diving under. 306 065 South Dakota is going to be playing us to Bellarmine. Bellarmine is a one-point underdog in your totals between 136.5 and 138. With Bellarmine, it's a team that has played a lot of non-D1 foes, so I do feel like a lot of their stats are a little bit hollow. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of this South Dakota team, and it certainly has been far from great. You can tell that they could really use AJ Pleasewit at some point, but you do have a pair of guys being able to give you 13 points per game. That would be Mason Armchild along Cruz Petio Hunt. These two guys are combined for 26 points per game with Petty Hunt. He's been able to shoot 39% for three-point range. Overall, South Dakota has been able to shoot 78.5% at the free-throw line, but each other top four scores shoot at least 77% at the free-throw line, including Xavier Fuller. Fuller has been filling it up with 12 points, five boards per game. He had a little bit of a rough go of it when he was dealing with injury last two games. He combined 33 points per game, so looks like he's back to full health. You've got a South Dakota team that they don't turn the ball over a ton, right around 12 and a half turnovers per game at Bellarmine. They play a slow controlled style, but they don't necessarily do a great job on the glass. You take a look at this team, and right now your top rebounder has been Justin Betts who's been able to give you five and a half rebounds per game. Now, I do like what you're able to get out of Dylan Penn. Right around 15 and a half points, 
4.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists, only shoots 13% from three-point range. Bellarmine last year was one of the top three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball. They're only making 29% of them this season. I feel like they got a little bit figured out after they wound up having a very good year last year. Their first at the D1 level, CJ Fleming, has been able to give you 10.5 points per game, but you don't necessarily have ideal size. You've got a Bellarmine team that they themselves seem a little bit more dysfunctional on offense this season, so want to make it South Dakota a four-point favorite. You've got a very slow and controlled style with Bellarmine as well, so set this all at 132. Diving under with it as well. 306-067, 306-068. You've got Florida State and the Seminoles are going to be playing outside of Lipscomb. The Bison find themselves an 18-point underdog in your Tom's game. is between 143 and 143.5. With the Bison, got to be taking a look at them completely differently. With Hassan Asadula currently out of the fold, and I think that that is really a death nail for the team because Mr. Asadula was doing everything for them prior to him going out. 17 points, 10 rebounds, 2.7 assists, a steal, 1.7 blocks per game. So he is Mr. Do It All now. Jacob Onyesevich has been able to give the team 16 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, shooting 55% from three, 86.5% the free throw line. Overall, Lipscomb shoots 37.5% from three, 74.5% at the free throw line. But you take a look at them in their five games without Mr. Asadula. They've been able to win one of them, and that came against a non-D1 foe in their four losses against D1 competition. 65 points or fewer in every one of them, and that includes a game against a Belmont team, of which they play very fast. Meanwhile, for Florida State, they're on a three-game losing streak themselves, scoring 65 points or fewer in every one of them, but I think that with just sheer athleticism, they should be able to blow them off the court. Caleb Mills has been able to emerge for this team with 13 points per game, 2.7 assists. Guy that's shooting 35% for three-point range, 13 plus points in each of the team's last four games. Malik Osborne, 12 points, 7.5 rebounds, shooting 48% from three. Florida State as a collective. They shoot only about 32.5% from three-point range, but what they do a great job of, steals. 10.2 steals per game. This is a Lipscomb bunch. At, they're committing right around 14.5 turnovers per game. KJ Johnson out there in the backcourt is able to give out three assists per game, but Zena Tippin is scoring with right around eight points per game. Greg Jones is able to give you 10 points per contest, and is a guy that shoots 37% from three-point range, but you can tell that Asadula not being out there causes for a little bit of stagnation with regards to the offense, so it is a situation which I want to make Florida State a 22-point favorite with this total set it at a 142.5 because I do think the Lipscomb is going to be held down by a Florida State defense that is going to be able to turn the ball over a lot, so laying the points, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and we wrap things up with 306-069-306-070. UCLA is going to be playing us to Alabama State. Alabama State is a 35-35.5 to point underdog with your total between 143 and 144. I think that Alabama State is being a little bit disrespected. This is actually a halfway decent team that is actually coached by Mo Williams. You may remember him from the NBA, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to this Alabama State team. With Alabama State, they as a collective have been able to do a good job of being able to generate seven and a half steals per game. You do like what you're able to get out of a former four-star recruit in Gerald Liddell, a former top 100 guy that played at Texas. He's shooting 43% for three with 10 and a half points per game as a six-foot-eight do-it-all sort of player. Now, they have been in without... Trace Young. Trace Young has missed the last five games. Being able to give the team nine and a half points per game was big, but Kenny Strawbridge has been able to pick it up as he and Isaiah Range are both able to give you between 8.8 and 9 points per game. Both of these guys give you right around four and a half boards per game as well. Strawbridge is able to chip in their ACO per game after a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the season as he given the team nine plus points in four of the team's last five games down low. You don't necessarily have a ton, but Jordan O'Neal has been able to give the team five rebounds per game, so has been able to do a good job there. And a combined five blocks in the last two games. Now you take a look at UCLA and you've got Johnny you saying, being able to stuff it when it comes to being able to put the ball in the basket. 16 and a half points per game, shooting 37% from three. Among the top 
five scores for UCLA. He is the worst with regards to three-point shooting. Everyone else shoots at least 40% from three-point range. Jaime Hawkins has been able to give you 15 points, six and a half boards, two and a half assists per game. You've had Tiger Campbell all of a sudden shoot 47.5% from three, 85.5% at the free throw line, and he still doesn't turn the ball over much. UCLA, 10 turnovers per game. They're very efficient, but I do think that Alabama State is going to be able to make a couple threes against a UCLA defense that they're not necessarily the world's most efficient. I did wind up saying this total at 144. At the 144, I'd be willing to go over before I'd be willing to go under just because I do think that this could be a little bit of a blow. Turns into open gym, but with UCLA, could only make them a 24-point favorite, so take a look at the points. And now we'll wrap things up for Coast to Coast Hoops on this wonderful Wednesday as I'm coming at you from the world's most wonderful place, the happiest place on earth, as they like to call it. And today was all me, and probably will be for the next few days, but with that said, hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you have one or two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNNRSCORTY1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and from there, you're both firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 